Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. We're continuing our Tartan Talk series by having a conversation with Scott Sherman. And Scott is involved in a lot of fascinating projects these days in some amazing places through his work with Love Golf Design. We're going to talk about working in some coastal settings in the southeast, some of the people that Scott has met in the business, and some of the different design tactics he uses on the sites that he works on. But before we get going with Scott, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a great supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker also supports many other industry efforts and initiatives, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're beyond thankful to have them involved, and we're glad that Scott was able to take some time with us. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time, the first thing I want to ask you about that it it was recently announced that you're going to be doing some work at Sea Island with the Love Group. How excited are you about that? And explain the the scope of the project. Well, it's just a fantastic opportunity. Uh, Davis and Mark, as you probably know, live there, so they're they're really excited. Um, so it's been it's been great to uh, work on that site. We've actually been sort of working on the project for almost a year, planning and trying to determine what's going to happen. Uh, so the project is really two phases, uh, and, and primarily we will be redesigning the plantation course. But up front, uh, the resort is building some cottages, which uh, will be out near the water. And as part of that, we are going to modify their, their short game practice area, and we'll be building a putting course. Um, out in front of their lodge and uh, so that will open this summer and after the RSM tournament in November we will close the plantation course and uh, redesign that golf course so it's uh, it's a neat neat place quite highly regarded for everything they do so we're really really looking forward to the work what are the views like there? Most of us have only experienced Sea Island through watching the RSM on TV. What is it like doing your daily work at a place with such magnificent views and scenery? And is that ever a distraction? <laughs> well, Guy, it's one of the reasons I, I guess I probably got into this business was because of the, the places it takes us and the people we get to work with. Um, so there are two golf courses right there uh, at the lodge, the, the seaside course, which has much more uh, water frontage, and then the plantation course we are working on is more more inland, a little bit more of a parkland, uh, if you want to call it that. It does wrap around some lagoons and uh, around uh, some marshes. Uh, but having said that, there are also some holes that go right along uh, a pretty big body of water, which is the ocean. Uh, so it's very diverse. It's uh, it's a neat neat spot, and um, I, I don't know that it's a distraction being there, but it's just it, it certainly makes the day go really well, regardless of the weather, to be honest. And the plantation course is 90 years old, and it was designed by Walter Travis, right? As I recall, nine holes were were done by Mr. Travis a long, long time ago. Um, I, I'm still trying to understand that history and looking through the archives and uh, understanding what the aesthetic was. We are, we're trying to go back to an older aesthetic that, uh, that the facilities there in total really really have done a nice job of, of preserving and, and uh, bringing back. So I wouldn't call this necessarily a restoration, but 
that older aesthetic and, and some of the features that were there are certainly something that's going to guide us. Seal Island obviously attracts golfers from all over the world because of its reputation, and also some of the world's best golfers get to play on it each fall. How do you balance what the resort players need with what the PGA Tour needs on a project like that? And I would guess that having Davis involved with you is a huge asset when making those decisions. Oh, yes. Well, and uh, so I'll start with your question about Davis first. And needless to say, wherever we go, he's certainly the most accomplished golfer in the room. (laughs) But having said that, he, he is always the one that's most concerned about the, the folks that play, you know, any golf course most of the year. You know, at a place like the Plantation Course, 51 weeks out of the year, uh, it's, it's catering to the resort guest. Um, so he is he's very keen on making sure that we build something playable. But having said that, we uh, – and I, I learned – from the Dye family and from my previous work with Bobby Weed, um, strategic golf is the way to challenge every player. Um, we are in this race against distance right now, and if we find ourselves just chasing distance all the time, we will narrow the field of you know tour winners down to just a few guys that, that hit the ball forever. Uh, so we try to think about golf holes strategically. Uh, there are ways to, you know, set golf courses up that are a little bit easier during the play days that the that the members have, and ways to set golf courses up a little bit more difficult uh, for the tour player. And of course, a lot of that is focused at the green, the green complexes, and and the strategy that's going on there. So it's a it's a real balance, but it's a, it, it's sort of a, a thing that makes our work really interesting. When I say our work of course architects in general it's an interesting time in golf from a from a business standpoint and from a let's say a high level playing standpoint so it's really keeping us on our toes some of the people that would play a golf course at sea island might play it once and never play it again how important is it to make a positive first impression on golfers, and what are some tactics you use to kind of create that wow factor for people that maybe only play a course that you work on once in their life? Well, that again, that is another real trick because, to be honest with you, uh, I think as you know, many of the designers in the very distant past would have done. We really want you to learn the golf course. Uh, you know, it it makes it more interesting that way. Folks come back and slowly but surely find new ways to play golf holes. So there's that aspect. We're always, I don't want to say necessarily trying to infuse surprises into the golf course, but in some ways we are. Strategically little features and little little ways to to make the next round more interesting. Uh, But having said that, to your point, we try not to hide too many things, you know, for the resort golfer. As you say, they may only play there once. Uh, so we try to have lots of features right out in front of you, perhaps saying that there's, the strategy is fairly apparent to them from the tee. Uh, again, the intricacy is probably more infused at the greens. Um, with, with the uh, plantation course project, in, in an effort to kind of go back to an older style, we've, we've looked into uh, 
maybe incorporating some sleepers into some of our bunkers and lake edges and so forth. And for those folks that might not be familiar with that that term, sleepers are just a general term for for wood uh, bulkheading uh, along lake banks or bunkers. Uh, We're probably going to use railroad ties there to give it an even older feel. So hopefully, you know, those those things in combination with the setting, the beautiful low country setting of uh, of Georgia, the coastal setting of Georgia, will give folks, you know, the aesthetic that they're looking for. And our, our strategy will be fairly apparent as they play each golf hole. You mentioned low country. Explain what low country golf is and what the region's like and what it's like designing golf courses in that part of the United States. Well, the low, low country, I guess that term, having kind of grown up in South Carolina, I, I just never dreamed that there were places not called the low country along the, the coast, and, and the low country is, is really along the coast of, of South Carolina, but I'm sure other other folks in other states refer to their coastal areas in a similar way, but uh, having having worked along the coast of South Carolina, the, the low country is a, a, a neat sort of uh, ecosystem unto itself. Um, as the name implies, it's relatively low and flat, although that's not always true. There's there's a lot of diversity along the, the coast of South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, uh, Florida. Uh, you get some, some good elevation changes, actually, with, with some, some dunes and whatnot. There are lots of areas of, of beautiful marshes. Of course, you've got the ocean. Um, you've got just great vegetation. Um most of which stays green throughout the year. You know, live oaks and palmettas, they and the palm trees, they're they're green most of the year. So it's a a real diverse setting. Uh, generally, you know, produces golf courses that are really easy to walk, which is important. Uh, but always, you know, throughout the 12 months of the year, just usually a a beautiful sort of calming setting uh, for for a round of golf. You recently got to do some work at the Sea Pines Resort in Hilton Head. That was a major project for you and Love Design. What did you learn throughout that process and explain the end result at Atlantic Dunes? Well, um, so that project is uh, very much an example of of a lot of projects that are happening uh, in the golf course design and construction business today. So you have a golf course that uh, at the time was over 50 years old. It had been renovated once before, and like just about anything else, it just became worn and dated, and you know the infrastructure was, was not good. So the owners came to us and said, hey, obviously we need to fix all of those things, but we want a different aesthetic. You know, it's, at that time it was called the Ocean Course, and we just feel like it was not really representative of the name. It just didn't feel like it was as much uh, ocean and, and, and that sort of feel that, that we desired. So what are your ideas? So they allowed us to sort of go off and study the site and think through what, what needed to happen there. And, and, and again, the infrastructure increase, uh, improvements are just tremendous. M- many miles of drainage many miles of irrigation, pipe, lot, you know, everything's new. All new bulkheads, all new greens, tees, a whole new bunker comp- 
complexes everywhere, bunker aesthetic, uh, landscape. So we we decided to uh, incorporate as much of, of what we see along the ocean into the golf course where it was appropriate. So there, again, this, this project at Atlantic Dunes uh, is a very diverse site. Some of it is along marshes. Some of it is along lagoons. Other areas do go up to the ocean, and some areas are a little bit back away uh, in what I would call the maritime forest. So we just tried to see what was in our surroundings. Uh, so, for example, along the ocean, we just we walked the dunes and identified three or four or five different plant materials that were uh, native to that area, found a grower who grows those, some, some folks that we've worked with quite a bit before, and incorporated those into the golf holes where they were appropriate. Uh, then we walked through the woods and walked the site sort of off the golf course in the native areas and found what worked in the in the in the forested areas and sort of brought those in to areas of the golf course as well so uh we the great thing is we had a terrific client who was totally committed to a new golf course and that's really what the golf course is is a new golf course allowed us pretty much a free hand with their input and they were terrific helping us make sure we understood their resort guests, their member, try to accomplish some things for the long term. And so far, so good. It's uh, been fairly well received. We're very, very pleased. From what I understand, the infrastructure got tested immediately with Hurricane Matthew. What was that like getting ready to open a new golf course at the end of 2016 and then have a generational hurricane for that area come through? Well, it was just amazing, to, to be honest with you. Number one, the hurricane hit on our opening day. So needless to say, uh, our opening day events were postponed. Um, so that was sort of heartbreaking. I'll tell you a funny little story on the positive side. So in that area, um, tree removal is pretty highly regulated. And so we went through quite a process to uh, open the golf course up and remove unnecessary and overgrown trees. But to some degree, there are trees that are protected. Um, There were a couple of trees on a couple of golf holes that we could not remove uh, because of their regulations. They were just too large. But unfortunately, they negatively impacted the golf holes. Well, As we returned to the site after the hurricane, the good Lord took care of those two trees on our behalf, (laughs) and those two golf holes are much better as a result. Um, So there was the positive, uh, one of the positives. Another positive was, to be honest with you, we got so much rain during that period that it sort of flushed the golf course. Um, I was there, I guess, one week later, and the place just looked terrific. Uh, you know, the infusion of that much uh, fresh water was a positive to the soil there. They use reclaimed water as part of their water source. So sometimes that can be an issue. Uh, so with, you know, over a foot of rainfall, maybe maybe even 18 inches, it sort of flushed the uh, soil profile and things looked terrific. There was certainly some cleanup to do. A couple of bunkers were damaged, but... To be honest with you, uh, as I say, the infrastructure was so much improved and 
we use such good quality materials as I've told those owners, you know, we're we're building a golf course that's gonna last for a very long time. You know, the infrastructure there will will be there fifty years from now easily. And so the golf course really survived the hurricane quite well. Uh, they were able to get back open fairly quickly. Uh, without, uh, to be honest with you, there was quite a bit of cleanup to do around the golf course and their other golf courses, so it was not pain-free by any means. Uh, but I learned from feet die early in my career, uh, if it doesn't drain, it doesn't work. So we, we were fortunate to have a really good drainage system and the water made its way out and all was well. When you, Davis, and Mark Love were thinking about the plans there at Sea Pines. Did the fact that a major storm come through go through your head? Is that something you have to think about when designing a golf course in a coastal setting? Well, yes, yes and no. So, uh, again, drainage was a major part of that golf course. One of the things that was not working well uh, for a number of years was it did not drain well. So, with our engineers, we certainly sat down and said, hey, uh, what storm do we want to design for? You know, how, how high will the water come? So we designed for a pretty substantial storm, uh, but uh, you, you can't really ever uh, accommodate an 18-inch rain event that occurs, you know, over basically a one-day time period. So although the golf course in parts did flood, uh, we had enough drainage in place and a good enough outfall that uh, once the water got moving, it just it, it took care of itself. It was gone, and that's that's a testament to making sure every part of that golf course was was drained with uh, enough pipe and catch basins to deal with, you know, a, a topography that's pretty flat. So Sea Pines also has Harbor Town. How much have you studied? Harbor Town, obviously you've had a chance to work with Pete Dye, and how important of a golf course is Harbor Town when you're talking about golf in coastal South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia? What type of impact did Harbor Town have on some of the work that followed? Well, uh, boy, that's a, that's a whole book of information, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll start with myself personally. I can tell you uh, that that place, uh, influenced the rest of my life starting, and I can tell you exactly when it started, October 28, 1989, was the Saturday of the Tour Championship there at Harbor Town. My wife and I, and she and I had not been married long, we went there to see the tournament, and I had never been on the property. Um, so it was the first time I had ever seen the property, and after walking, I, I'd say, maybe 14 holes, once I got to the 14th hole and saw Pete's pot bunker back there behind the green and sort of thought about all the different things that I had seen during the day, uh, I thought to myself, you know, I, I want to get in the design business. I need to go find Pete Dye. So it, it had a huge effect on me um, uh, within six months or so, I found Pete and Alice at the, uh, at the ocean course in Kiowa and uh, started corresponding with them and begging like crazy for a job. <laughs> so that's a whole other story. Uh, but Harbor Town has had a huge impact on me personally. And then, of course, 
the the industry of golf course design and and sort of even as you as you talk about the, the low country the low country of south carolina really benefited from the notoriety that that golf course uh, achieved right from the beginning so as, as a if you want to put in quotes a modern design you know pete made an immediate impact there uh it didn't hurt that arnold palmer won the first uh, heritage uh at Harbor Town, there, and it, it, it increased its notoriety. Uh, so that golf course, as Pete calls it, that little golf course has has had a huge effect on that area, on our state, on the PGA Tour. I mean, look, this is this will be the 50th Heritage this coming year, and it, it's still challenging the tour players. Um, it was considered somewhat short probably right from the beginning um you know a modern example of a of a short golf course today believe it or not would be tpc sawgrass and those kind of golf courses and that's what i was referring to earlier uh when we were trying to uh have member play and resort play be fun and interesting but yet still challenge the the tour player those golf courses are a great example of of how you can challenge today's modern tour player and and if you notice those those golf courses produce winners of all different types of strengths folks that hit it a long way like davis folks that not who are not so long uh, like brian gay for example uh all different types of players can win on a golf course like that if you use your head and you know where to you know taking chances and so forth. So I I think places like Harbor Town has had an amazing effect uh, on folks like myself and are, are places we should look back at and continue to study and remember, hey, the game of golf is not all about this distance. It's, it's about thinking your way around, having enjoyment, and being challenged here and there uh, in around the golf. Pete's known for many design elements and you mentioned earlier in this podcast that you sometimes work bulkheads into your work how do you know when to use a bulkhead and how do you know when maybe you're overdoing it with them i'm not sure i've ever been asked that question uh and and i would say it's it's somewhat of a feel thing uh you know it's it's, it's like any artist because golf course design is you know, a little bit art and a little bit science and that's why I like the business, because you sort of get to use both sides of your brain. Uh, but, you know, you want to use a feature, and, and I learned this from, from Pete and Alice and, and Bobby Weed and others. You want to use a particular feature uh, enough times on a golf course so that it sets a theme uh, throughout, the, throughout the property. But you don't want to do it so much that it becomes repetitive, you know, and almost sterile. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, you, you, you do want to infuse a property with some surprises and, and some things that folks may, maybe did not expect. So, you, uh, again, you have to sort of feel your way through the project, and, and very often we'll stand on a golf hole, and we may not have thought about doing bulkhead here, or we may have thought about doing bulkhead there. And as we're talking through actually getting it built sometimes it, it sort of reveals itself you know it doesn't really work there as well as we could thought 
Um, so that's sort of the artistic part. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know how else to explain that other than other than to say that mixture of art and science are really what we're doing daily. You know, there are a thousand decisions a day during golf course construction that myself and Davis and Mark and our shapers and our construction guys make uh, that all sort of come together to create that aesthetic, but yet have a golf course that makes some sense strategically. Another term we're seeing a lot, especially with renovations in the Southeast, and I notice this a lot in Florida, are coquina shells. I hope I pronounced that right. How do you know when to incorporate those into a design, and what can they do to the aesthetic of a golf course in a coastal setting? <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting question in these days, and I'll explain why. So, you know, coquina shell is just sort of a general term uh, for a mixture of shells and, and sand. I, I, I guess coquina shell specifically is just a, it's a small little oval shell. It's a clam. Um, and you'll find that shell mixed in with, with sand, you know, on lots of beaches, especially here in the southeast. And so we often find it in mines, you know, sand mine operations that are back away from the beach where we want to we wanna mine sand for various activities. And so it tends to have a lot of this coquina clamshell in it. Um, and, and so it's, that's just one of the materials that, you know, we might think about using so that we set a scene for a golf course that's near the ocean or near, near marshes. And very often it, it just depends on exactly where the golf hole is as to how much coquina shell we might want to use. We're trying to reduce turf on the one hand, you know, to be sustainable. On the other hand, we're trying to establish a, a feel, uh, an aesthetic that, that fits where, where we are building the golf course. But to be honest with you, in today's world, using coquina shell is, is often an economic decision. Believe it or not, it's, it's a bit difficult to find it. Um, we have resorted to having to make coquina shell, and what I mean by that is just mixing shell and sand together sort of artificially. Um, but finding mines where you can get to the coquina shell naturally, uh, easily, and within a decent hauling distance of our site has become a bit of an issue, to, to be honest. So it's you have to sort of put all those things into the blender and figure out what works best for, for that particular site. What's the water quality like in places like Hilton Head and Charleston and Savannah, and what are some things a golf course architect does to combat maybe poor water quality in some cases? Wow. Yeah, that's, a, that's another issue. Unfortunately, we have lots of technology to try to deal with that. So it, in some cases, you have uh, water that will somewhat uh, be interjected into the soil and cause you know, a salt buildup in soil. Sometimes uh, some of our clients, again, they irrigate with reclaimed water that may have quality that's less than desirable. Sometimes you may be, at, as the ocean course of Gila, you may be literally right on the ocean, and so you have to deal with irrigation water quality issues and salt spray and that sort of thing. So having said that, uh, we have used turf, 
as a way to deal with poor water quality. And, and that's, again, that's a whole, whole book you could write on various turfs to deal with um, poor water quality. So your, your various pospolums may help you do that. And our superintendents are really good about helping us choose turf grass. We, we, there are various ways to deal with the irrigation water, and I'm not nearly smart enough to explain them all completely, but there are ways to, you know, treat the water uh, as it's taken out to the golf course through the irrigation system. Obviously, there are ways that our superintendents treat the soil when dealing with poor water quality situations or poor soil situations. So just like anything else in golf course design and construction, it takes a whole team of folks to pull off a project. You know, you've got engineers, you've got agronomists, you've got golf course superintendents, uh, contractors, folks like us who help design uh, the golf courses. And uh, so it, it takes all those folks together to try to solve these problems very often. And, and as you say, along the coast, almost almost anywhere along the coast, it doesn't matter if you're in the United States or the Bahamas or elsewhere, uh, there are ways to deal with it uh, with all the different techniques I just mentioned, which is great because we're building golf courses in places where we didn't weren't, weren't able to build before. Uh, but today, with all those various technologies, we can we can go into these spots where we just never even thought of before. The courses and tactics are a big part of this business, but arguably the biggest part of the business is is the people that you deal with. How fortunate have you been to be able to work with Pete Dye and now getting a chance to work with Davis and Mark, and you've also worked with Bobby Weed. Just what have you learned from all those people that you've worked with, and how fortunate have you been to, to be able to associate with those types of architects? Well, I'm just very lucky, to, to be honest with you. Everything I've learned has been from those folks and others. Um, you know, we we all uh, come into you know our profession with almost no knowledge. <laughs> you know, we start as as, as green as grass, and uh, all of those folks have, have taught me so well, and I continue to learn from from folks. And I've I've just been fortunate to be be exposed to a lot of smart folks like Pete and Alice and Bill Coor and, and Bobby Weed, as you mentioned. Um, a number of our owners uh, that we've worked with are just really, really interesting folks. It's 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 an amazing, amazing group of folks that that want to step out and build a golf course. And you know, typically our owners may be in some other business, and we've learned uh, lots of things from them on how to conduct oneself, how to operate a business. Because after all, golf course design is is a business. So it's, it's just been, you know, beyond a, a great blessing to have been exposed to these folks and, and gotten to know these folks, some better than others. I never really dreamed that um, it would be such an important decision as to, you know, who I would who I would go and try to work with and be associated with. So it's been it's been terrific. And then you talk about Davis and Mark, and you know, I started thinking about. The, the things that we, the three of us, have done in, in our careers and in the golf business itself, you know, you think about what Davis has done over the years, obviously being a tour player. And, and it, you know, as a kid, he and Mark both 
obviously played golf and worked with their dad uh, on the golf course and golf shop. And fast forward, and Davis has become a tour player, obviously. Uh, now he and Mark run a PGA Tour event. Davis has gotten into broadcasting. Mark teaches. He's quite accomplished as a teacher. Uh, we've all been in the golf course management business uh, over the years. They, they've managed a number of golf courses and, of course, now the design business. So um, I've been very fortunate to learn from them as well, uh, just all aspects of the golf business, just keep my ears open and my mouth shut and try to learn as much as I can because it, those, that list of folks that I just mentioned is just a, a wealth of knowledge and have been so kind to sort of explain their, their past history, what they've learned, and, and sort of guide me in the right direction. Whether they realize it or not, I've, I've certainly taken, taken all of their advice to heart. Love Golf Design is a relatively young business. What has it been like seeing the business grow, and what type of role does an experienced architect like yourself playing a business like Love Golf Design? Well, uh, so uh, Love Golf Design is, uh, uh, was established uh, maybe 20, 22 years ago. Uh, and, of course, I've, I've only been working with uh, Mark and Davis for five or six years. Um, and, and it was sort of a, a great partnership. I, I find that it's best if we only really work on one, maybe two projects at a time. And that's been their past history. Um, just working on basically one golf course at a at a time. So um, we got together at a time uh, when golf was quite slow. Um, they had just finished up uh, a project in Mexico and were working on some things, but really didn't have much of a staff and needed some help. And uh, they they had an office up up here in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, I got to know some of the folks there and. And it, it's funny how how life goes in a circle, um, and this is sort of another story, but I'll tell it anyway. So a good friend of mine that I've built a number of golf courses with, Tom Weber, who is a very talented shaper. Uh, he, he actually lives in Florida, but he's he's worked on Harbortown and uh, building some golf courses with, with Pete and others over the years. And he and I have worked at a number of places together, like the University of Florida, like Atlantic Dunes. Well, his brother, uh, Jeff Weber, is Davis's caddy. And so I've, I've sort of kind of crossed paths with Davis all, gosh, for many, many years. Uh, I don't even know how long, just because no, uh, knowing Jeff Weber. And so sort of one thing led to another, and they, uh, they were looking for some, some needed help and someone that was experienced in doing the planning part of the golf course and obviously the construction and helping guide the design ideas. So uh, one thing led to another, and here we are, you know, five or six years, five or six years later. I, I really have gotten to know Mark uh, more over these years. I, I had not met Mark until five or six years ago. Of course, I knew, I knew of Mark, uh, but uh, because of... Uh, Jeff Jeff Weber's chatting with Davis all those years. We we saw each other quite a bit. I'm trying to draw a tree right now as you're mentioning all these names and people and connections, and my notebook looks pretty sloppy. So we'll go to one of the other things that you 
mentioned you mentioned your work with University of Florida and now Love Golf Design is doing some work with the University of Virginia. How excited are you to begin that project and what awaits there in Charlottesville? Oh, it's it's just terrific. And and you know, university projects uh, for lots of reasons are somewhat unique. Um, and of course, you've got the, the the golf team aspect of of the golf course. And at the University of Virginia, uh, they have a resort, the Boar's Head Inn, and uh, they have their golf course. And because they're doing uh, a number of things around the resort and other facilities, they are impacting their existing Birdwood golf course and decided, you know, we we need to go ahead and, and get an architect and see what these impacts could do to the golf course and how we will deal with them. So to make a long story short, uh, we we were hired and have, have studied the site, and we really needed to move major parts of the golf course. They have they have lots of land to, to work with and to accommodate their new facilities that will be built. Um, we needed to move the golf course somewhat. So we're basically uh, building, gosh, probably 12 new holes. Some of them are in the place where existing golf holes are. Some are completely new golf holes. So it's really a new project. And through the process, um, their golf team is now uh, underway on a new golf team building where they will, which will be their home. It's a beautiful facility. So that's one of the things that their two golf teams will have access to. And as we studied the project and, and the available land and the fact that they have a resort, we're also going to be building a putting course, a fairly large putting course, a par three short course, a short game practice area for the teams. So it's a, it's a quite a large project. And, you, you know, it's interesting. We're working on three projects in various stages of planning today. And, you know, I mentioned to you that this is an interesting time in, in golf. All three of these projects, uh, we are planning putting courses and par three short courses, which, you know, five years ago, folks would sort of giggle at us when we suggested such things. Uh, but today, as you know, at, at Pinehurst, we've, we've got similar facilities being built other places throughout the world of golf. So, uh, University of Virginia is, a, is another example of that. It's, it's Again, it's an exciting time in golf, and, and folks are understanding that to keep golf healthy, we need to raise up the next generation. We need to keep people engaged in the game. So if that, if that takes the form of a putting course where somebody can wander out there with a soft drink and a pack of crackers and put around for an hour and stay engaged in the game, then so be it. So... Uh, it's a it's a neat project, and and of course, the uh, the golf teams present a whole another <laughs> level of of interest and sort of uh, I, I want to I would say thinking that we have to do uh, to challenge them. So it's a, it's an interesting process. You also got to work at your alma mater, Furman University. What type of personal highlight was that for you? Well, it's it's been really neat. Uh, so I actually as a high school student would have played this golf course i'm actually here at Furman today uh would have played this golf course as a teenager 
and then moved away for many, many years. So coming back, uh, the golf course was was being renovated in 2008, so I, I helped a, a little, little bit with that, overseeing that that process. And then in 2012, um, they asked to build a uh, practice area for their golf teams, short game practice area, uh, which also has a seven-hole short course loop incorporated into it. And from there, uh, we have uh, done improvements to the golf course ever since 2012. Up to this day, we're still working on things. And uh, just last year, we were we were awarded as one of the host sites of the uh, Web.com Tours BMW uh, Charity Pro-Am. So, again, having to think about and deal with the college player, the professional, as you probably know, the folks on the web.com tour as a group are the longest players in the world. Um, so thinking about how to deal with those those players, um, and, and this golf course is a semi-private golf course, so we have daily seed play every day. So it's it's been really neat. Um, again, like I mentioned with you uh, about Harbortown and, and working back at Sea Pines, that was one circle of life that sort of closed and being here working at Furman is a, a, another circle of life. I, it, it's, it's funny, no one ever explained to me that you would keep reliving your life over and over again throughout your life, but so be it. It, is, it has happened and it's been really, really a neat thing to see. You're really in a neat position living in Greenville, which is one of the fastest growing metro areas in the country, and that's in inland South Carolina, yet you've worked a a lot along the coast. What do you see the future of golf being in the Carolinas, and how exciting of a place is it to be for somebody in the golf business? Well, the the Carolinas is such a strong area for for golf, the golf business. Um, As you know, the, the Carolina superintendents are a very strong group. Uh, the Carolinas Golf Association is a very strong group. Um, you, you know, they have built a headquarters right across the street from uh, from Mid Pines uh, there in Southern Pines. Beautiful building. Um, so this this area is, is strong. It, it it seems like the. So I'll, I'll talk about the golf teams for a minute. It seems like the golf teams in these two two states are always pretty strong and produce. Players or really, really raise up players uh, from within their states to, to become, you know, great players, uh, either am- amateur players or professional players. So the Carolinas, I guess I'm not sure I realized it as a kid, although having said that, I, I should have paid more attention because they were all beating me like crazy when I was playing golf as a kid. I, I actually played in high school with a, with a, uh, future U.S. Amateur champion, you, you may remember Chris Patton, who played at, at Clemson. Well, Chris just routinely just beat the dickens out of all of us. So I, I learned way back then that I wasn't going to play golf and, and make a living and feed myself. So <laughs> I have Chris to thank for sending me off in the golf course design business. So the Carolinas in lots of ways, the golf business, the resort business, uh, you know, the college golf, the competitive golf, uh, our great superintendents that are here in this area, it, it's just, it really is sort of golf heaven and golf mecca. I know there's lots of other places in the country that, that feel the same way, and rightfully so. 
but uh, these this area, this these two Carolinas and Georgia and Virginia and Florida, I mean, they really are are strong, and there's such a diverse uh, landscape. You know, just in South Carolina, we have everything from the from the ocean all the way to the mountains. Where I sit today, I'm staring at Paris Mountain. So just within a three and a half hour drive, you can get just about every landform you can think of just in one state. So uh, very fortunate to be living and working in this this area. Well, Scott, this was a lot of fun. I think you took our listeners and followers and readers on a journey right here. I know I have a lot of images of beautiful places going through my head. So thanks a lot for taking the time and good luck with your work at Sea Island and the University of Virginia and everywhere else you go here in the future. Well, guys, I sure appreciate the, the opportunity. It's always uh, it's always great to try to educate folks. Uh, and, and again, there, there's nothing like the golf business. The folks that are in all aspects of golf have been so kind and and so impactful to me and my family. Um, And I I appreciate the chance to, to tell a little bit of that story.